Welcome to Becoming a Sleep Consultant. I'm your host, Jane Havens, a certified sleep consultant and founder of both SnoozeFest by Jane Havens and Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. On this podcast, I'll be discussing the business side of sleep consulting. You'll have an insider's view on launching, growing, and even scaling a sleep consulting business. This is not a podcast about sleep training. This is a podcast about business building and entrepreneurship. Hello, I am here today with a Center for Pediatric Sleep Management student, Melanie Duval, who I actually, Melanie, I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh, before we get started on this conversation today. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you again so much for having me. Um, so I have been working with families now for 25 years. It was 25 years in April, um, largely in the field of lactation. Um, but as anybody who works in that field knows, it's, it's much more than lactation. You get questions about all kinds of aspects of baby care, um, including sleep. And then a few years ago, probably five years ago now, um, as my kids got older, I've grown children. I started getting a lot more questions about sleep specifically. Um, I started being greatly concerned about the families that I was taking care of and the um, amount of sleep deprivation, postpartum mood disorders, um, and really truly believe that there's a link between the two. And so, um, so I decided that I needed to walk out what I was saying as far as like building community and how do we support families. And I became essentially like a night nanny and started working with families, um, usually from the very first night home from the hospital. And one of the important things that I do, and one of the things that um, my business promotes, I'll talk about my business in a second, is healthy sleep hygiene from the very first night. So how do we set infants up um, as newborns to understand day time and nighttime sleep? How do we help them start connecting sleep cycles? How do we support parents in doing that? And that's where I started. Um, and then I formed my business, which is Goodnight Baby. And we started um, working with families older because what happened is people found out that I was helping tiny babies and they said, can you help my six month old? Can you help my 10 month old? Can you help my 18 month old? And I kept setting these limits. Well, not over 12 months and then not over 18 months and not over two and not over four. And then I was always doing kind of those things. And so I decided to take the course so that I could get more information about sleep training older kiddos. I know how to do it from newborns, but I needed more information about older kiddos and I wanted to be much more effective and what that looked like. Um, and then of course I chose this program also in part because of the entrepreneurial piece, the business piece that you offer. So yeah, perfect. Uh, that is, that is a great roundup roundup of your business. And, and the reason for why I wanted to bring you on to chat today is because I love the way that you're supporting families and, and you're specifically supporting families through sleep training in home, which is something that yeah. I don't have experience with myself. It's not something that I'm really teaching inside of Center for Pediatric Sleep Management, but because we have a lot of postpartum professionals enrolled in the program, uh, those ladies are already supporting families in home and they are getting that request to do in-home sleep training. And 
you know, what does that look like? How do I do it? So I wanted to bring you on today to chat about that and for you to share uh, your process and your your expertise. So I guess my first question for you is, uh, what does the onboarding process look like? Does it look very similar uh, to that of the process when we're supporting families virtually? Are you doing a discovery call? Are you still writing a sleep plan? Uh, what is your process for for starting with a new family? Sure. So families uh, contact me in a variety of ways. They contact me via phone, text message, email. That's the first start. Um, you know, usually it comes on. I have, well, I'm going to just give a great example because the typical age is eight to 10 months is, is a lot of the calls I get. And they say, um, I need help with my baby. My baby doesn't sleep through the night. Um, my baby wakes up every two hours. My baby's still sleeping in bed with me. And so I reach out to them and that leads to a phone call or a Zoom meeting. And we go over kind of like where they think they're at, how they think they got there. Um, if I ask a lot of questions like bed sharing, when did you start bed sharing? Um, did they start at the beginning? Did it start at four months? And then I try to get as much information as possible on that very first call. Um, then I do send a questionnaire, follow-up questionnaire in case there's anything that I might've missed. I wanna make sure that I'm getting all the pieces of the puzzle. Um, then I send a proposal and my proposal does offer remote support, but I'll tell you, I don't get a lot of requests for remote support. And I think it's because we've built the reputation of doing in-home sleep coaching and sleep training. And so I do give them several options to choose from that are um, a variety all the way from remote all the way to 100 hours of in-home support over a two-week period. So that's quite a range. And then they let me know kind of what works for them. And then we set up a time to meet in their home. And that's usually when I meet their kiddos for the very first time. And I want that to be a positive experience. I always tell families, we're going to sell this as being something new and exciting. And we're all going to do this together. Um, and so kids are pretty excited the first time they meet me at least. And I get a layout of um, where's everybody sleeping? What are the sleeping arrangements? Who's sleeping where? Who's sleeping with who? What do the beds look like? Are they in a crib? Um, especially if I'm going to be in someone's home in the dark, I want to have a good idea of where everything is. Um, and so that's a great opportunity to just visit with them in their own environment. I get a great sense of kind of what their parenting style feels like, what their relationship is with their baby or their kiddos. Um, to help me really develop a good sleep plan. And so I don't talk about all the logistics of it in front of kids because I find that that's not super helpful to kids. And so we'll have that visit. And then I, um, and at that time, they usually sign the contract, um, sign the contract and then payment is due on the very, by the very first night. I, I don't wait and bill out later. Everything's paid up front. Um, I go home, I write a sleep plan. We visit again, either via phone or via Zoom and kind of make some decisions, make sure that we're clarifying exactly what's going to happen, exactly what their expectation is of me, what my expectation is of them. Can I interrupt um, you for a second? You yeah. send the sleep, you send the written sleep plan to them and then you get on to another like phone or Zoom call to review it. Am I understanding that? I, correctly? Should, I shouldn't say that. I should say after I write the sleep plan, I visit with them either via phone or via Zoom. They don't see it until okay. I come for the first okay. time. Okay. So that's interesting. So, yeah. so you're just, you're having a conversation, sort of feeling them out and getting 
an idea for what they would be comfortable with and what it's going to look mm -hmm. like. And the sleep plan at first is really for you to wrap your own head around the plan. And then yep. you share it with them that night so that you have it all in writing and they can, they can see what's going on. Yeah. Cause I, I might go over like some techniques um, to make sure that we're honing in on the ones that are going to work best for them. One of the things I always ask parents is what your limits are. Um, you know, if, if crying is a no-go for them, I want to have a really good conversation about what crying means and what it looks like. And we talk about different types of crying. We talk about different levels of crying. Um, but I want to know what the parent's threshold is up front before I come into their home and start implementing a sleep plan. And so we have that conversation. And then I finalize the sleep plan and I bring it with me when I come on the very first night. Um, generally there are things that I have the family do in the days leading up to me coming. Um, maybe, so maybe we have an infant that wakes frequently. And so we talk about helping them get all their calories in during the day. Um, we might talk about setting up some healthy nap schedules ahead of time. If it's toddlers and preschoolers, we really want to hype up this exciting thing that's about to happen. And we want it to be really positive. Um, so that they're excited when I come, I wouldn't say they're always excited by the second night, but they're excited when I first arrive. If we're implementing reward charts, um, we want to start talking about that. And so I want everybody kind of gets prepped in the days leading up to the event of me coming. So, okay. And let's talk about the logistics of like moving in for a couple sure. of days. Like, <laughs> what does that look like? I, you know, I ask this as somebody that has literally never done it. So, you know, walk me through, what do you pack? What do you sleep on? Do you have it in your contract that they need to provide a certain, like an air mattress or, or do you not sleep, you know, fill me in. What does that look like? <laughs> sure. So, um, I, I don't know if everybody knows I live in Bozeman, Montana. Um, and so I have, been with families in Park, Madison, and Gallatin County. So three counties surrounding us. Um, I actually got snowed in at a client's house about a month and a half ago, but I don't intend to stay more than just the night. And so I kind of bring the things that I need to support me through the night. If we have toddlers or preschool, preschoolers, I might bring things like reward charts, um, or we might have nightlights or whatever, whatever we're going to have for that. Um, I don't typically sleep under, under these circumstances. One, because if a three-year-old jumps out of bed, I want to make sure that I'm alert and ready to redirect them back to their room. Um, so that if mom and dad is sometimes parents are right there and involved and sometimes they're not at all, but I want to make sure that they don't make like this mad dash across the hall. Um, so that way we're setting it up where parents can get some sleep and, and whatever. Um, so I don't sleep. I don't often lay down, but like I said, my children are grown. So I go home in the morning and they sleep. <laughs> okay. And how, how long is a shift? Is it 10 or 12 hours? So there's four different options currently for in-home or for sleep coaching. There's the remote, um, option. And then the next one, um, is they're all two weeks. And so they get three nights with that one over the course of two weeks where I can kind of come in maybe make a few changes, um, maybe help the family get some sleep um, on the night after they've had a couple hard nights. Those are eight hour shifts. Um, for option three and option four, option three is five nights. I do the first five nights in their home and those are 10 hour shifts. 
Um, and then option four, which is kind of like the grand package. They have the first five nights I'm there, 10 hour shifts. So they have 50 hours the first week. Um, the parents do two days or two nights by themselves, implementing the same um, techniques that I'm using. And then I come back and do another 50 hours. So another five nights of 10 hour nights. Okay. Kind of, and, yeah. and are you charging hourly or is it like a, like a block price? That's just like what you deem worth your while for that service. Sure. It's a, it's actually a block price, but it's based on um, my hourly rate for infants under six months. Um, okay. It's interesting. If anybody goes to my website after this, I am revamping the prices um, just because I have raised prices on other things, the cost of living, like everywhere has gone up. And so I want to make sure that that's all balanced out. So sure. Okay, perfect. Um, and what about like meals and snacks? I guess, are you coming late enough after dinner? Are you are you not worried about eating? I ask this because like, I don't know, I think for somebody who's not used to going in home and doesn't know how to be in those situations? Like, do you just like bring a cooler bag or do you pack yourself some <laughs> granola bars and, and a water and call it a day? So, well, I always have coffee. I run on coffee. There's no mistake about that. Okay. Um, typically these look like eight to six. And so I come in at bedtime and um, I bring usually a couple snacks to kind of get me through the night, but I don't, typically bring meals. Families are always like, do you want food? You can have anything you want. And I'm like, no, I'll bring my own things. It always okay. feels a little bit odd to me to rummage through people's cupboards. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. That's why yeah. that's why I was asking. Yeah. Um, and, and so another thing that moving away from the logistics, let's talk about mm -hmm. like the meat of this a little bit, which is, sure. you know, when I think of in-home sleep training, I get asked to do it all the time. And I always say no, uh, for a few reasons. One, it's just like, not, it doesn't fit in with my life, but, mm -hmm. but two, I've always sort of felt strongly that teaching your child that like there are boundaries, which is really all this really is right. Uh, right. It's something that should come from the parent. And I ask you this question, we've spoke about it offline and, and I know how you feel about it, but I'd love to have that conversation on camera as well, because, you know, I think that this is a concern that a lot of sleep consultants have is like, you know, is it really beneficial for a stranger to come in and set a boundary for a three-year-old? Like, shouldn't the parents be setting that boundary? So what are your thoughts on that? And how do you handle it with the families so that they actually can implement the boundary once you leave? Well, I think that's a great question. And I think it's really, really important to talk about if you're going to do in-home sleep coaching, um, because I absolutely 100% agree with you. The parents should be setting all the boundaries um, and not just around sleep, but around all of the things in their home, right? And all the things in their life. Um, and I couldn't agree more. What I found is that I think sometimes parents want to do that. They just don't either don't know what it looks like to actually set boundaries with children um, or they don't know what it looks like to hold the line on that. Um, and so sometimes, actually not sometimes, every single time um, I am doing just as much parent coaching, direct parent coaching, in-home parent coaching as I am in-home kid coaching. And so the parents are watching me hold those lines with their kids, setting up clear boundaries um, with their kids. And today, I should knock on wood, 
they've been able to follow those at least around sleep once I leave. Um, and so where I think it works really well is, like I said, in that eight to 10 month group where maybe they haven't really started implementing boundaries. Maybe they feel like my child's not going to like me if I set up boundaries, or I don't know how to talk to my child in setting up boundaries that are healthy. And so I get to have that opportunity to model boundaries for them and then support them while they're doing it. So I, you know, there are many times when I'm standing outside of a nursery door with a mom and we're listening to the crying, right? We're doing the check and console and we're listening to crying and I'm coaching her on, okay, we're going to go in and this is what we're going to say. And then we're going to come out and we're going to set the timer. And I really just spend that time alongside them, holding their hand while they are implementing those boundaries. Um, with their kiddos. And so that's kind of what that looks like. Um, I, I actually worked with a sibling pair not that long ago, two-year-old and a four-year-old. And I think one parent was ready to hold the boundaries and the other parent wasn't. And so there were some good discussions that happened um, during that time when I was there. And after three nights, the dad was like, oh, we're never going back. Like, this is great. You know, um, this is the best thing. I haven't slept in the same bed with my wife in two years. This is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Um, so I think a lot of it is equally parent coaching as it is kid coaching um, and how to set. And then, up. and then you're moving to some level of virtual support after you do in-home work. So, so the parents do have that opportunity to reinforce the boundary once you've already established it. Correct. That is correct. And I do follow up after that two week mark, just not as frequently and kind of check in and see how things are going and where things are at. But it's really clear in my proposal and in my sleep plan that um, boundaries are important and we need to set healthy boundaries um, with our kiddos. And I remind parents that when we regress or we change course or do any of those things, what we're really doing is causing a lot of confusion for infants and toddlers and preschoolers. And I said, you know, we're setting them up for failure. And every time we do that, we're asking them to start over. I use the analogy of we're playing a game. So imagine you're playing a game with somebody and when things, maybe you start winning and then they say, oh, wait, we're going to change the rules of the game. And then you start winning again and then they change the rules again and they keep doing that. Of course, we're going to be frustrated. Of course, we're going to be crying. Of course, we're going to be screaming. It's the same thing that they're doing to their child when they keep changing either how the technique that they're doing or they're inconsistent. And so I just remind parents that that's a, like almost the key piece in making all of this happen. That and confidence. They have to be confident with their kids. <laughs> Yeah, so. I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, let's shift to another topic. Uh, one thing that came up, I was asking around, you know, within our community to see like, what does everyone want to learn from this conversation today? And something that came up was uh, the topic of multiples and how you handle sleep training multiples. So I would love for you to share what that looks like for you, maybe share a case study or a recent client you know, tell us a story and, and show us what it looks like to support families with multiples in home. Sure. Um, so some of that um, happens in the really early stages. So I've worked with twins and a family with triplets. Um, and they all actually started in infancy, not necessarily as newborns, but definitely in infancy. Um, and that a lot of that comes with 
um, you know, there's this negative idea about scheduling feedings or scheduling sleep. And really that's a healthy routine for all of us to be in. Um, and for multiples or NICU babies or preemies, they come home on a routine. So I always encourage parents to keep routines. Um, but when we're talking about multiples, to keep parents from feeding, you know, 24 times a day or 26 times a day, I always say we want them on the same feeding schedule, the same sleeping schedule. And so um, when one is hungry, then we feed both of them. When one is going to bed, we put both of them to bed. We set them up kind of in that routine already. And so when we're thinking about sleep coaching multiples, it's still the same idea. So the bedtime routines are the same. The going to bed is the same. We handle waking the same. And parents often ask me, well, should I have my, my twins or my triplets in the same room together? And I always say, absolutely, because they will learn to um, adjust to each other's noises and noise levels and sleep disturbances and all of that. There's no reason to separate them. Um, and what I often find is one does not wake up the other. That is just, that just doesn't happen. Um, and so when we're, when we're doing multiples, it's important again, set up routine and make that exactly the same for both of them. So I'm going to give a great example. I'll use the family with triplets because triplets I'm sure could be a daunting task. If um, the first time somebody called me and asked me to do it, I was like, <laughs> I don't know, because twins felt kind of overwhelming. Um, so what we did with the triplets, we set up, of course, the same bedtime routine. Um, and I said, one of the most important things we can do with little tiny people is have those positive sleep associations. So when we set up a routine, we, I always tell parents, we start turning down the lights. We might do bath time. We do feeding time. I don't do feeding as the very last thing because I don't want feeding and falling asleep. So we do feeding and then we might do sleep sack and then singing, and then put them in bed, turn the white noise on. And so that's what we did with them is we said, okay, when they, right after dinner, everybody gets a bath, everybody gets a bottle. And then we turn down the lights, we turn on the sound machine, we get the little sleep sacks out and everybody gets laid down in their bed. Um, and when that's what we did, we put them to bed. And it's interesting because they still have sleep sacks and that's so they don't climb out of bed. Um, and uh, the minute they get the sleep sacks on, they are like closing their eyes and ready to go to sleep. They, they have made that association. I think the most important thing if you're talking about multiples is there has to be a positive routine. There has to be positive sleep associations and we have to be doing the same thing at the same time. So everybody's getting the same treatment. So yeah. okay. um, in fact, I don't charge double or triple for twins or triplets. Um, I do charge slightly more, but not, not tremendously. <laughs> okay. And that was actually going to be my next question. So I'm glad you answered yeah. it. You don't charge double, you charge slightly more, which I think is reasonable because uh, multiples are more work. Right. Um, and, Absolutely. and then let's, let's actually, let's dig into pricing a little bit, which we touched on earlier. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask you to share what your pricing is, but I guess my, what my question is, how did you land on your pricing? I think this is something that a lot of sleep consultants really struggle with is how to place 
value on the work that they're doing? Is it just, are we charging for our time? Are we charging for our expertise? Is it some, are we charging for the result, right? Uh, There's a lot of factors that go into play when setting your pricing. So how did you come up with your pricing? And, and did you always feel good about your pricing? And do you feel good about your pricing now? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, like I talked about in the the more intensive in-home support is based on my hourly rate um, for newborn infants. So it's largely based on that 100 hours, 50 hours, um, kind of what does that look like? So if I'm writing a sleep plan, I do want to factor in my time is valuable. So my time um, in making phone calls and or answering phone calls and emails and Zooms and going to their home, all of that has to be factored in um, how much time I'm spending. I think that I've gotten more efficient at writing sleep plans for sure. I have different sleep plans for different ages and I can just kind of put information in and make a few changes. Um, but I want to make sure that um, my time is being compensated. I worked in community health for over 10 years. And um, not that's not great, not that I don't love it. But I, you know, you start to feel like, um, is my is my time valuable? Is is my 25 years valuable? Is the 1000s of families I've worked with valuable? All of those pieces. Um, I do offer a slight discount um, from my my completely remote support to the three night package it's actually a pretty significant discount. Um, I wanted there to be a reasonable option um, for maybe families who were not going to be able to meet the 100 hours, but still needed more direct support, needed that in-home hand-holding direct coaching. And so I, I, I felt really good about making that choice. If ever a family is like, we want to do remote support, and then they go, actually, we'd like to upgrade and have you come in and do 50 hours, um, I do apply their, their first package to packages going forward. Um, okay. So I do offer that, but I do feel good about it. We, I do have another sleep coach in Bozeman. There's actually another person and she offers solely remote. And we actually have the very different philosophies um, on sleep training and methods that we use, which is great. Um, and I, I think our prices are fairly comparable as far as remote services. Okay. And so you're feeling good about the work that you're doing and you're feeling good about uh, the money that you're making, which I think is the most important thing because the work that we do is hard work and it's valuable. Our our knowledge is valuable. Our experience is valuable. And the results that we're giving our clients are extremely valuable. So I, you know, I want to make sure, I think it's really important to note that, you know, it has to be worth your time, your energy, uh, you know, it has to light you up. Otherwise, it's just hard work for nothing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do, you know, I say all the time, doing in-home support is really draining. Um, I love it. I love it so much. I love seeing the results. Um, But at the end of a 50-hour week or 100 hours of two weeks um, and holding hands with parents and holding hands with little people and redirecting little people and being up all night. Um, it is pretty exhausting. And so I want it to be also financially worth my time to um, devote that much time, energy, mentally, physically, emotionally into it. 
Um, it's interesting because I had somebody tell me one time, well, do you have a platinum package? And I said, everybody gets the platinum package. Um, so I just want to make sure that, uh, that I'm not shorting myself either, you know, for the time that I'm putting into it. Before we wrap up, before we wrap up, I would love for you to share one piece of wisdom, maybe for somebody headed out on their first in-home sleep training job. Uh, any, any words of wisdom to share? Sure. Um, I thought a lot about it in preparation for this. And I would say confidence, confidence, confidence. So when you um, are talking with parents, when you are talking with children, when you are going into someone's home, being confident in, in your training, being confident in what you have to offer, being confident that this is going to work. Um, parents uh, usually by this point have tried a lot of th- different things. Um, they have kind of dabbled in different techniques. Um, and so they're not feeling super confident and they need somebody to come in and really kind of boost that up. And that's an opportunity that's very different that you have when you're in person is you're standing right there outside the door with them, holding their hands sometimes and reassuring them that we're all headed in the right direction. So confidence I think is that's important. really, really fabulous advice. And I think that translates to uh, those that are listening or watching that uh, do virtual support as well, because um, if you can't uh, come into a situation that's stressful with a certain level of confidence, I think I think it makes it really challenging for yeah. all, all parties involved. I think our clients need to feel that they are being led by somebody that knows what they're doing. And if you don't feel like you know what you're doing, then that's a problem, right? So yeah. We need to figure out how to gain confidence. And, you know, sometimes that comes with experience. Sometimes it comes with additional training. Sometimes it comes with just committing to always wanting to learn more. Uh, This is something I am constantly trying to drill down within the CPSM community. You know, my course is just one course. And I think that there is so much to be learned out there. I actually spent all day yesterday on a training about sleep science that was led by another sleep professional within the industry. Uh, you know, yeah. if you're not doing those things, then then you're not working on your expertise and your craft. And you have to constantly be willing to learn so that you can feel more confident and better positioned to support your clients at the highest level. I agree. And I would even say in the last two years, I don't think I've read any books unless they've had to do with infant sleep. So, and I always tell people, read the good, the bad, and the ugly, read the books out there that you don't agree with or that you don't like or the techniques, because you are going to run into families who've used them or tried them. Um, And so having really a good solid base knowledge of what is out there is, is important. You know, I know just as much about um, other sleep consulting Um, packages that are available online as I do about what I'm offering. And um, I have books in my office that I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but I want to make sure that I'm having those conversations with families and that I do understand um, where they're, where they're at and what they've seen and um, where they want to get to. So, yeah. I you are you are speaking you're speaking right. my language literally. <laughs> uh, I I just got off the phone with somebody I can actually see on my phone. She just hired me, uh, who's using a method that she read in a book that I can't stand. Uh, and I have the book on my bookshelf because like right. p- moms are reading this stuff and and they are using it and it's not working. And then they hire me and I need to know 
what they're reading so that I can undo it, you know? Um, and, and that's really, really important. So going back to your point of having confidence and, and where does that confidence come from? It comes from being willing to continue to learn, right? Uh, if, if you're not willing to continue to learn, then you're going to lack confidence because you're not going to know everything. And uh, I think the more you know, the more confident you feel in what you're doing. It's true. It's so true. And I always say I've been doing lactation for 25 years. And it's funny because people will call me an expert in the community. And I'm like, oh, I just cringe when I hear that because I think there's this much to know. And there's this much that I know. I'm constantly learning. Um, And it's the same thing with infant sleep. We're constantly learning. There's more research that comes out all the time. Um, There's new books being published all the time. Um, I think it's important to know what's available and then use the base either in your experience or your knowledge or your education um, to kind of say, this is going to work for me and this is not going to work for me. Or I can see how this works for parents and this doesn't work for parents Um, because families are going to come at you and say, well, how come you don't use that book? How come you don't use that technique? And you're going to want to have a good solid answer um, as to why you don't support that. And so that's not going to happen unless you're out there learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we wrap up, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Do you want to share your website or social media? Oh gosh, you're going to, you're going to like make me remember all my handles for all. You don't have to, you don't have to, we can leave it all in the notes below the interview. So if you don't remember, no pressure. I mean, obviously I remember my website. Okay. We'll share that. (laughs) Goodnightbabymt.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm learning how to use TikTok. I'm learning more about Pinterest. Um, so I, I'm, I'm constantly learning too. So, okay. We will link all of your links uh, in fantastic. the show notes and, and thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing you. your expertise with this audience. I'm really grateful. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I really do appreciate the course. I feel like I've learned so much already. So I'm so glad. You, I'm so glad. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you would rate, review, and subscribe. When you rate, review, and subscribe, this helps the podcast reach a greater audience. I am so grateful for your support. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a certified sleep consultant, head over to my Facebook group, Becoming a Sleep Consultant, or to my website, thecpsm.com. Thanks so much. And I hope you will tune in for the next episode.